first I wanted to talk about hospitality. Hospitality. And uh, because I think hospitality is one of the lost arts in our culture, in our society, in our world. And the way that I want to get at this is to ask the question of, have you ever felt unwelcomed in your life? Have you ever felt unwelcomed? Anyone? Anyone? Yes. And what does that feel like? What does it feel like to be unwelcome? Not too good. Not too good. Hostile. Yeah. So, uh, you know, growing up, we moved around a lot. And so I went to uh, various different schools and new neighborhoods. And so even in the middle of the year, I'd go to transfer to a new school and uh, be a part of a new community and try to learn the ropes in whatever place I was in. Um, so I know a little bit about what it means to come in as an outsider into an already established place, like a school. So growing up in elementary school, you'd come and kids, you know, kids are kids, so they don't have that natural bent towards, oh, let's welcome the new person, unless the teacher is like, hey, Bobby, will you sit by David? He's the new student. Will you show him the way? Will you welcome him? Most kids will just play with who they usually play with. They'll go to recess, they'll play tag, or they'll play in their little groups, and they won't care about the little boy who just moved in from the town uh, right next to it and is new and wondering if he's ever going to make new friends or if he's ever going to find a home in this place or if he's ever going to um, fit in or, or uh, do well. And so um, I understand what it means to not know what's going on. Or I remember in kindergarten, I got on the wrong bus. This was in Samoa. And, and you know, Samoa is an island, but when you get on the wrong bus, you, you go, where am I supposed to be, right? There's no one there to tell me, oh, you're new, this is your bus, this is where you get off, right? I just hopped on a bus and I didn't make it. Or, you know, when we're doing assignments, you know, I'd go midstream when kids were doing different projects and just feel lost, right? They're in a different section in math and then we hadn't covered that math or um, the teacher had a certain way of grading or doing things. And you just feel like you're not yourself. You're, you, you don't feel free. You feel like you're walking on eggshells. You feel like a stranger, an alien. And you feel a little bit of a burden, right? Um, in other places where maybe even you're, you're made to feel unwelcome. Right? Have you ever been to someone's house who didn't really want you to be there? Right? It's not, no one's offering you something like, would you want some water? Do you want to sit down? It's just silence. And you walk in and you're like, okay, should I sit down? And so you feel bad for eating anything or drinking anything. If you've ever been uninvited to a wedding or, or not invited to a wedding or not invited to a party uh, that you do go to, you're like, I need to stay as small as possible. I need to not eat as little as possible because you just feel like a burden. You don't feel welcome. Or even going to college, you know, there's other ways that uh, people are made to feel unwelcome. Like I remember getting in debates with my fellow peers and students. They'd be like, oh, you got, a, you got a scholarship, right? You got in because you're a minority and there's a lot more opportunities for minorities to get scholarships or to get it. I mean, that was kind of the rhetoric all the time. And, and maybe it's true, maybe I got a scholarship for being an 
is you know outstanding Asian American or whatever it is. But what is that statement in and of itself makes you feel like, oh, I didn't get here on my own merit, right? Or someone was left out because I was given an extra, extra chance. Do you see what I'm saying? And so a little bit in everyone's heart who feels made to be on the outside, you feel like you need to either work harder, you know, to belong, or you need to uh, not make a mistake or be as quiet as possible. Um, but then, have you ever run into someone who's gifted and welcoming or gifted in hospitality, right? Those people who just know how to create a space, right? Create a space where people feel at home. Even if you're complete strangers and you walk into their home, for instance, they're like, hi, so glad you're here. And it doesn't feel like fake, like, so glad you're here, but get out of here. It's more like, so glad you're here and you actually believe them. Like, they are genuinely excited that I'm here. They really want me to be here. And they're like, can I get you some food? Can I get you some tea? Please sit down. And um, you're not worried about touching things or breaking things. The home is just warm and welcoming. The couches are a little, they're nice, but they're, they're worn in enough for you to feel like, oh, I'm not going to mess anything up in here. So you can just plop down. And you even, you feel so comfortable, you, you put your feet up on the table and you're like, oh, should I have put my feet up on the table, right? But this person would be like, no, 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 make yourself at home, right? People who are gifted in hospitality, it's a gift from God. It's a part of God's heart to create space for the outsider and the stranger to come in and feel like they belong and are, and are in the community. And if you look all through scripture in the Old Testament, that is a part of God's heart. Even though he set aside a people to be his people, his chosen people, there is always a part of the book of the law and the prophets where it'd be like, and remember the stranger and the alien in your midst, right? Remember the orphan. Remember the widow. Those that don't have a home or those who are coming from the outside as strangers into a new land, open up. Don't build the wall, right? But build a door, right? Open up your arms and welcome them in because that's my heart. And as you're welcomed in, right, you become a part of God's people. And so actually in the law, concessions were made for the alien and the stranger to actually be adopted and grafted in to, com to the community um, of God. And you see this theme continue in the New Testament Right? That's, that's Jesus, and then that's the mission, the mission and ministry of Paul in Acts is, right? Salvation is not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles as well. Let's go to the ends of the earth. And that was the tension, right? We want, we have this religion. We have this faith, and it's ours. It's a piece of us, right? It's our identity. And yet, you're saying these new people here are also a part of the family. You're saying God also loves these people. You're saying they're also becoming Christians and getting baptized and being baptized by the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But, right, they're unclean, right? They're not Jewish. They're eating pork. They're eating weird things. And Paul pushed up against that. Like God's heart is to open up. God's heart is to show hospitality. God's heart is to welcome. And he calls all of us as a church as a community 
to welcome the stranger, to welcome those that are outside. Because humans naturally don't do that unless you're gifted in it, right? You walk into a room, people, into a party, people get in their circle. Why? Because you want to be where you're known and where you're comfortable and the lingo is the same. You don't want to be insecure walking around awkward conversations. Hey, I say, and then that's it. You're just standing looking at each other, right? It's awkward. So when you walk into the room, people are in circles. And the thing about circles is it's really hard to break in into a circle. And so I'm constantly aware of this because I grew up being outside a circle and having to adapt, having to adjust, right? And having to become a part of the circle. And I think all of us need to be aware of what it means to practice radical acceptance and radical hospitality and radical welcoming because that's a part of God's heart, Jesus' heart. Woo! So let me read the third John, and you can follow along with me up on, up on the PowerPoint, or if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. This is the NIV version. Uh, third John, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. Even as your soul is getting along well, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness in the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from pagans. We, thought we ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that they may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes who loves to be first and will not welcome us, uh, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with that. He even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil is not seen from God. Not seen, has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will walk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is the word of the Lord. And so, um, where 1 John and 2 John are written uh, to a church, the church of Ephesus, and then to a larger, their cyclical letter. So it's written to a larger number of churches in Asia Minor. Uh, 3 John is different in that it's addressed to a specific person, his dear friend Gaius, uh, the elder, or John. The apostle John is writing to his dear friend Gaius. And the first thing that we notice is that John is praying for Gaius and so thankful for Gaius, and he's encouraged because people have told him, he's hearing word back uh, from people around him that Gaius has been faithful in the truth. 
So this phrase, faithfulness in the truth or walking in the truth, occurs throughout, I think, six times in 3 John. Faithful in the truth, walking in the truth. And so that in itself, we're walking in the light of God, right? Caminamos en la luz de Dios. We are walking, we are walking. Connotes movement, right? Process, right? To, to be a follower of Jesus or a follower of God means that you're walking with God. It doesn't mean that you're studying God, right? Or just thinking about God or believing in God, right? I'm standing here believing in God. Believe, right? I'm believing. But this, this phrase, walking in the truth, right? It, it tells us two things. It tells us that there's a relationship involved, a dynamic relationship between the person and truth. And it tells us also that the truth is alive, amen? That truth is walking. If you're walking with the truth, then the truth is walking as well. So the truth has a face, has a name, right? Has life to it. There's dynamism. And um, so that's the thing that he's encouraged by, that Gaius, as he hears from other people, is walking in the truth and is faithful to that. And in the context of the letter of, the, uh, uh, of John, the epistles, um, you remember that he's speaking out against uh, people who are teaching heresy about the, uh, Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, saying that uh, Jesus did not incarnate, right? He could not be fully human and fully God. And so they're denying the incarnation of Christ, the humanity of Christ. And John is saying, remain in the truth, right? He's constantly saying, remain in the truth. They're, they're sending out people uh, to the churches and preaching these heresies and you need to be faithful about who Jesus is and the gospel that you first received. Remember, remember. Um, and what's going on, um, the piece about hospitality, is that he's really, he connects Gaius' faithfulness in the truth to his hospitalities to missionaries who've been sent out to preach the gospel into the churches. Not the, not the bad ones, not the people that are speaking heresy, but to the other people that Paul has been sending out, the church has been sending out to the churches in Asia Minor uh, to remind them of the truth of the gospel. And the way that he refers to these missionaries is those who have been sent out, what? In the name. Those who have been sent out in the name of Jesus. You've welcomed them, right? You have not treated them like strangers. You've fed them. You've welcomed them in your home. And just like in the ancient Near East, back in the Old Testament times, in the first century Mediterranean area, hospitality was huge, right? The call was to be hospitable, even to the stranger, to, to welcome them in as even your family. And a lot of times, someone would write a letter uh, introducing this person on behalf of the stranger coming into the home site, saying, sending a letter, introducing this person, and saying, take on this person, treat him as one of your own, be hospitable to him. And if this household rejected this person who's coming in, the stranger who's coming in, that would also mean dishonor uh, to the person who's sending the person, right? And so that would bring shame on that person. So we just have to understand that hospitality was a deep, deep value, right? More so than ours, 
right? We're like, man, they invited themselves over. Hey, I got boundaries, right? This is my home. Right, get out of here. Um, we, we just don't understand. I mean, we understand a little bit, but not to the depth that they understand. It has, it's attached to shame. It's attached to honor. It's a relationality. It's a communal, communal um, kind of spirit of receiving um, someone in, especially if someone's recommending them, especially if someone's referring them. And, um, and we see this also in Jesus' gospel, in Jesus' words, right? Back, if we go back to the gospel of John, uh, what does Jesus say? If you receive the one who God has sent, right, then you're receiving God as well, right? You can look in John 5, 23, uh, John 12, 44 through 45, John 13, 20, John 14, 24. Jesus repeats this idea of if you receive me, then you receive the Father who sent me, right? If you reject me, you're rejecting uh, God who sent me. So again, that's the same kind of idea of receiving or hospitality, right? If you receive um, me, then you're receiving the Father. Likewise, in the culture, if you're receiving this person who, I, who the sender has sent, right, then you're receiving the person who's sending. If you reject this person, you're dishonoring the person who sent you. This idea of hospitality. And if you, if you take that, if you just think of that in terms of Jesus' work in the world and what he did, right? Jesus came to the world as a stranger, right? Into humanity as God. And he was not welcome, right? It's the ultimate dis, right? Jesus got the ultimate dis, right? He, went, he loved people. He took care of people. He healed people. He was wonderful, and yet they crucified him on a cross. Talk about unwelcoming, right? God sent, and they didn't receive. And really, that's the, that's the gospel, right? Do you receive this child, right? Do you receive this Christ? Do you receive the Savior? Because the world did not receive him. And when you don't receive Jesus, you don't receive God. And so this is kind of what I'm trying to explain is this ethos, right, that John is working with. Like when you're a part of the kingdom of God, we welcome other people of God, right? We receive them. And John is commending Gaius for being hospitable to these missionaries. To walk in truth, as Gaius did, is to provide hospitality for, on the, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of Jesus. Amen? To walk in truth of the gospel is to be people who are hospitable to the things of the kingdom. Right? What did Jesus himself say? Right? The master, the king says in his parable, right? the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That same idea. When you do this to that person, you're doing it to me. When you don't do it for them, you're not doing it for me. Right? Jesus is preaching 
a gospel of hospitality, of receiving, of caring for other people, because when you do it for those people, you're doing it to him. Do you see the connection? Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and its angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. When you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Amen? Hebrews 13, 12, do not forget to show hospitality, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, right? What he's saying is, you never know, right? Don't fail to show hospitality, because you never know that when you welcome someone, when you extend hospitality to someone, you could be doing that to angels, God could have sent this person. That's amazing. It actually blew me away when I was like studying this. Like hospitality, yeah. This is about hospitality. Um, so the thing about Third John is that there's three people in Third John. Right? John is talking to Gaius, it's addressed to Gaius. Then after that, beginning in verse 9. Uh, John is saying, he's commending Gaius, but in verse 9, there's this guy named Diatrephes. And he's saying, but don't be like Diatrephes. Right? Because I actually sent a letter to this man to welcome in the brothers, welcome in these missionaries sent to preach. And he refused them. Because you know why? Because Diatrephes loves to be first, will not welcome the brothers and sisters. Um, so when I come, says John, I'm going to call attention to this, right? Because he didn't welcome the people I commended to him. So he dissed me. He disrespected me. And I'm going to call attention to this. He's proud. He's arrogant. He wants to be first. I think the translation is he always wants to be the leader, right? Um, and refuses to welcome other believers, and in fact, not only does he refuse to welcome other believers, he puts people out of the church. He puts them out of the church. And then in verse 11, he says to Gaius, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil. The implication is, do not imitate this guy, because that's evil, right? Anyone who does, not, who does what is good is from God. And anyone who does evil is not from God. And then... The third person is Demetrius. He introduces Demetrius, verse 12. Demetrius is well spoken by everyone. So he's sending another kind of recommendation on behalf of this man, Demetrius. He's well spoken of by everyone. He's sent by God. And he's living and walking in the truth. And we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. It's like that guy everyone loves, right? He's highly recommended, right? He's a great mechanic. Next person. He's highly recommended. Your friend says, I highly recommend him. What are you going to do? You're going to hire the guy, right? If people are on Yelp are saying, bad service, terrible guy. My things were broken, right? 
you're going to take, you're going to say, nah. But John is saying, Demetrius is well loved, right? He's highly recommended. He's a good man. Be hospitable to him. So he's saying, Gaius, you're awesome. Right? You welcomed in the believers. You welcomed in those who were sent in my name. Don't remember. Don't be like Diotrephes. He's not with us. He's not for us. He's not for the kingdom because I sent people to him and he refused it. And he's putting people out of the church. And now here's Demetrius. Receive him because in receiving him, you're receiving God. And in receiving him, you're allowing the kingdom's work to continue to move forward. Right? You're a part of the ministry. And, you know, in the church, oftentimes we talk about different gifts, right? Different gifts of the spirit, different gifts that people offer. And sometimes some gifts get elevated higher than others, right? right? Oh, look at Dave. He can speak. He can preach. The pastor, look, he's in the center, and everyone's looking at him, right? Preach, 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 right? Um, but no one sees Evan, right? Evan's back there. He's there clicking that PowerPoint, right? It's needed. It's good, right? Or hospitality, right? We went over to Marsha's parents' house last week for a barbecue and her parents are one of the gifted in hospitality right when you go to their house there's the grass and like the chairs seated up and open right feng shui and there's good food and a fire pit and you're like this is like how hobbits must live <laughs> right this is like the shire <laughs> right? Right? The grass was so green, and we were all laying in the grass, chewing on uh, grass and eating, like, and laughing and smiling, right? Even my cynical, like, tired self was like, oh, right? This is awesome. Right? Hospitality uh, is what people gifted in hospitality help the kingdom go forward, right? And we need to be a community as a whole that has those people, that recognizes those people, and that empowers those people, but also a community as a whole that practices hospitality on a regular basis. And you guys know the three, the, 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 the three uh, things of Renew, underneath Renew, the three themes? The newer ones. Belong, be formed, be witness. The three B's. It used to be the three R's, but we're like trying to change it to the three B's. Belong, be formed, be witness. Good job, Dina. <laughs> Someone's listening out there. <laughs> Belong, be formed, be witness. Right? Belong. That means when people come to church or come across the body of Christ, we're not getting in the way from them knowing Christ knowing that Christ loves them, right? Because people get in the way all the time. Oh, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, right? Before you can be in. When Christ is saying, opening his arms and saying, I love you, I love you, come to me, come to me, come to me. Belong. And we believe that 
uh, part of our vision and our ethos is as much as possible, as best as we can, we help to reflect and create a place where people can belong, uh, belong to community, know that they belong to Christ, belong to a family. Because it's when people belong that their hearts are open, more open, right? That we can be, each of us, we're here because we feel like we belong. Right? And when we feel like we belong, we feel like we're home, our hearts are more open to receive, to receive what God has for us. And when your hearts are open, you can be what? Formed, be formed, be shaped. Um, our spirits are shaped through prayer, through worship, through scripture study. Um, we start to eat. When you're at home, you're like, the first thing I get home, I'm hungry, right? I open the fridge. I'm home, I'm hungry. Home and hungry are the same thing. I'm home, I'm hungry. I'm home, I'm hungry, <laughs> right? When people are home, they're hungry. They want to eat. Let's eat, right? And what do you eat? You eat the word of God. You eat, you know, spiritual things. When your heart is open, when you're at home, you want to eat. And then be witness. When good things happen in your life, what's the first thing you do? The first thing you do is you either tweet it, right? Or you Facebook it, depending on what generation. <laughs> or you Snapchat it, right? If you're a millennial or, you know, 22 and under, you Snapchat it, right? If you have good news, you're like, I got a new car. My good news this morning, and I posted it if you go to my Facebook, A-Rod retired, and he was forced out, right? I was like, yes, he's finally gone. A-Rod, right? I'm witnessing to the good news that A-Rod has retired, and he was forced out four home runs short of 700. So I'm like, woo, yes. Ken Griffey Jr. is greater. And so to witness means that you proclaim and share and are open about good things, the good news, because it's so good that you can't help but shout it and proclaim it and scream it up. And you want to be welcoming about it. Let me tell you, it's the woman at the well, right? The woman at the well. Come and see this woman who was living in shame, who was isolated because she was living with many men. She had lived with many men who were her husband. She was isolated, a stranger in her own town. When she met Jesus and heard the good news of Jesus Christ, she ran to the town and said, come and see. She led them. She was a witness, an evangelist. Come and see this man who told me everything about myself. Do you want to hear it too? Do you want to meet him too? When we see, when something good happens in our lives, we want other people to share it. We give it away, right? We don't hoard it. We tend to hoard things and not share, right? When we're afraid, right? When we're afraid, we don't have it or it's going to go away. But when we're relaxed, and something good happens, we know that we want to share it. Amen? So when we belong and when we're formed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, when we've met him, met Jesus, and our lives have been changed, we want to be witness. Right?
and John is commending Gaius for providing hospitality. Um, and he's dissing on dietary for not, what the translation is for hospitality, showing hospitality is epidokomai in the Greek, which literally means he did not receive us. We're not receiving. But at the heart of hospitality is to receive people right, into us. And, and we're reminded of Jesus. When you receive me, you receive God as well. When we become hospitable people, our hearts open up to God as well. When our hearts are open up to God, our hearts open up to other people. That is the heart of God to welcome and receive people in. We know it, right? When someone welcomes us into their home, we know they love us. And then we, they want us to be around. When they're cold and don't, don't welcome us, we know they don't want to be around us, right? And so is the, the body of Christ. People know that we don't want to be around them when we don't open our arms to them. So what are the ways that we can become more receiving people, to receive more people into our lives, into our hearts, into our walls, um, at our workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools? How can we receive people? Um, don't underestimate Don't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, I play ultimate, right, these days. And usually my, the first thing when I guard someone, like a stranger, is I look at their calves, right? Like if I look at young Joe's calves, I'm like, oh, he's fast, he's athletic, he's athletic. Uh, you know, because, uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I look at their calves and there's no shape or definition, I'm like, I got this. <laughs> so I guarded this guy yesterday, and he's like, there's nothing. Like, he's not, like, buff or, like, no, no muscular legs. His calves are, like, flat. So I was like, I got this. And he just burned me, right, on a deep play. And we do this all the time, right? Oh, that person looks dumb. They look not sophisticated. They're not cool, right? They talk a certain way, so... You know, there's no, no solid, they're not that intelligent, they're not educated, whatever it is for you. They're not clean, right? They're not hip, they're old, they're old school, they're new school, whatever it is. We, we discard people, and it keeps them, it blocks relationships, right? Don't underestimate people and block the kingdom of God, amen? Because you never know when you're entertaining angels. Um, the Olympics have started, and, and I don't know if you guys saw the opening ceremony, but at the end, when they did, were doing the Parade of Nations, for the first time in history, they had the final nation was uh, uh, refugees, uh, athletes that were refugees, and everyone gave them a standing ovation. A lot of them were from like the South Sudan and Congo and Syria, uh, basically athletes who were Olympians that no longer had a home, home nation. They were just floating. And I think, it, I thought it was really cool 
that they, they honor them like that by giving them a team, making them, you know, just honoring them as a team of refugees. And you could see them, they were so excited to wave a flag and just to represent themselves. And it was a diverse group. And it was beautiful to see. And I think that's an example of what we can do to recognize the stranger and the outsider and welcome them in. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your heart that welcomes us, that has received us. And thank you for loving us and sending your son to the world. And though we did not receive your son, uh, we have been given a grace and a gift and the opportunity to receive him and to receive you and to be changed and, and made new. And as we're made new, I pray that we'll continue to grow in having your heart, to have your heart for the world and your heart for the stranger, the widow, the orphan, the outsider, um, that in our lives, as we go out from this place, that we would think twice, that we would go the extra mile to welcome someone, to help receive someone, to help someone feel more comfortable, to create space uh, for people to thrive or to belong, um, to be empowered. And in the places where we feel not welcome, I pray that you minister to us and you, um, you send uh, people to, to welcome us and to heal us. In your name we pray, amen.